Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Such an honor always to introduce you to my friend, Michael Hyatt. If you don't know him already, you probably do. He's the former CEO of Thomas Nelson. He is a number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author, New York Times bestselling author of several books, multiple books. His new book is called The Vision Driven Leader. And I'm so excited about the timing and how the timing worked out with this topic at this particular moment in history. And I mean, one of the things that you should know about Michael that I just really admire is like, he's actually led large companies as a corporate you know, CEO and also built a very large business as an entrepreneur. It's rare to meet that type of a person. And so I really admire and excited to get sort of his instincts on leading right now. So Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Rory. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it very much. On the topic of personal brands, okay, yes. just since that's a big part of our audience, can you give us a, an idea of some of the magnitude of what Michael Hyatt and team has become? How many people are there? Like, how many people do you reach? Or like, what are some of the metrics? Because going, you started as a solopreneur and, you know, because I think of you as being one of the premier models in terms of scaling, turning a personal brand into a real business, something that is scalable and there's not that many personal brands that people can model to go like, hey, actually, there's a big opportunity here of a big place that I can take my personal brand in terms of jobs I provide and people I reach. So, like, give us an idea of just like the magnitude or the scope of like okay. what your team does. We have 40 people. So, it, it just started off with me that I got an executive assistant, then I hired a copywriter, and then it kind of grew from there. So, today we have 40 full-time teammates. We've got a lot of contractors that work for us as well. We'll do about $16 million in revenue this year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and so we've been growing at about 60% a year. So, you know, we'll probably hit 20 million this next year. And yeah, I'm trying to think of impact. We, we probably get a million unique visitors to our websites every month. A month. Downloads, probably 50,000 a week, you know, 200 to 250,000 a month. We have a big coaching program. We have 450 business coaching program, clients that are in our business coaching program. We have eight coaches that work with us. So I'm not the only one delivering the content. By the way, that's an interesting thing. I think for people to know about a personal brand at some point, you have to say, okay, 
how can I expand this beyond myself? And, and as you're successful, you get the opportunity to do that. You know, my name is still on the company, but I've been able to replicate myself and have other people that are also delivering content. I love that. That is so cool. I mean, think about that, y'all. A million visitors a month, 50,000 podcast downloads a week, you know, like another quarter million people versus that, not to count all your social media, right? And like whatever your social media is, your email list, like you're reaching millions of people every single month. That's Our email list is about 800,000 people. And so we keep that pretty pruned, you know, people that don't respond, you know, we take them off of it. But I will say to people that are building a personal brand, nothing is more important than your email list. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's another, if you want a more in-depth interview of Michael and I talking about that, we have that on the Influential Personal Brand Summit.com. You can listen to our conversation there. Of course, it's also back in one of our earlier podcast episodes on Influential Personal Brand. So, you know, vision-driven leader, like how did you, I mean, it's kind of perfect timing for that with like everything in the world. Of course, this had to be way in the works before everything that COVID was going down and quarantine and all that. But why did you decide to write this, you know, specifically right now at this time in your career? Well, just a funny story. So the book came out on March the 31st. And so when the president gave his speech on March the 11th, the next day I called my publisher And I said, this has got to be the worst time to launch a book. Is there any way that we could delay it? And they said, nope, the toothpaste is out of the the tube (laughs) and all the orders will cancel at Amazon in particular, but all the other retailers too, it'll just create chaos. So I just dug deep and I said, okay, why is vision more relevant now than ever before? And I think that's what every business owner has to figure out in the middle of the pandemic is how is their service? How is their product more relevant than ever before? And one of the things I realized is that vision is crucial, especially in a crisis. Because if you don't have a North Star, if you don't have something that is guiding you that you're working toward, you're just going to be lost and drifting on the sea. And one of the things I've noticed with my coaching clients is those that have a written vision script, which is what the book advocates, are doing pretty well. Because vision doesn't change even in a pandemic. Strategy Mm -hmm. will change because there's a major difference between strategy and vision, but the vision should remain the same and people need to hear it now. Your team needs to hear it now more than ever before. Yeah, I love that idea that strategy will change in a pandemic, but vision will not. That's a really huge idea. You mentioned the vision script and I want to talk about that towards the end. I want to hear about the tool that y'all created, but so you lay out these kind of different questions of what should be a great vision and what doesn't make a great vision. Can you just kind of like Talk us through some of the ones that you think are maybe the not so obvious characteristics of what makes a great vision or even like some of your favorite characteristics because, you know, this is something you've been around a long time. Well, let me go ahead and define it, what I'm talking about, because I think that in a way kind of encapsulates the whole thing and then we can unpack it if you'd like. So when I talk about a vision script, I'm not talking about a vision statement. So I'm using that language very intentionally. Okay. So when people talk about a vision statement, they usually mean a short, pithy, almost a slogan that you could put on a coffee mug or slap on a t-shirt. The problem with that is it's incredibly intimidating to come up with. You think, I'm not that clever. You know, I'm not that bright to reduce everything I want about the future in terms of a slogan. And I think most people aren't. But even if you could do it, it wouldn't be robust enough to really guide your organization into the future. So when I talk about a vision script, what I'm specifically talking about is a written document that's three to five pages in length. 
Mm. It outlines a clear, inspiring, practical, and attractive picture of your organization's future. Now, this is key. It describes reality three to five years from now as you see it and written in the present tense as though it's already beginning to happen. That's a vision script. And I find that when people get this on paper, you don't have to be Hemingway, you don't have to be a good writer, but when you start to disentangle your thoughts from just floating around in your brain, you start to achieve clarity about where you want to end up three to five years from now. And that's kind of the key to leadership. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you're taking people, you probably shouldn't be leading them. So vision and leadership go hand in hand. Uh-huh. And then, so, you know, if, if it's three to five years out, then like how often do you have to be updating it kind of every year? Is that the idea is like yeah. you're kind of always three to five ahead? Yeah, this is definitely not a one and done kind of thing. It's definitely easier to do, much easier to do after the first time you do it. It's that, you know, initial draft, like you're a writer, you know, writing a book, getting that initial sure. draft is tough. Same thing for a vision script. The hardest work you do is at the beginning, I'll try to make it as easy as possible, almost paint by number with the book, The Vision Driven Leader. But thereafter, you're going to revisit it every year. Now, I'll tell you that the way that I recommend organizations do that is as the first part of their strategic planning process. Hmm. So every year at Michael Hyde and Company, and I did this when I was at Thomas Nelson Publishers, is that we would do a strategic planning week where we would look at things like our vision, look at uh, sort of a SWOT analysis, you know, our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Out of that came our strategic priorities, and then we began to set goals, and then we began to chunk that down into, you know, sort of what our quarterly objectives were, and then even down to, you know, our weekly outcomes and daily tasks. But it all begins with that vision. And so every year, you've got a chance to look at it and go, okay, we've got a little bit more clarity. We're a year closer to where we thought we were going to be three to five years out. We're a year closer. Do we see anything differently with more clarity, with more precision? And if you do, then you've got a chance to tweak it. And like you said, it is a moving target because it always needs to be something that's always three to five years out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that concept in and of itself is, I think, powerful. So, like the classic business school vision statement is like, hey, we like put a paragraph down and everyone threw it in their drawer and never looked at it again. Exactly. Nobody knows what it is. But this is more like a constitution or, you know, something that's, being updated or it's, I guess, constitution is not a great example. It's not updated very often, but you know, it can be, it's amended and, yeah. and it's an ongoing development part of the process here. So what do you think that people do wrong with the vision and, and leaders? And, and like, what do you think are some of the common mistakes or the things that are, you know, like an entrepreneur or even a corporate level leader kind of person they're not doing, or they don't either in the way the vision is written or in how they reference it or refer to it as part of, you know, their normal operation? Well, I would say that the first mistake that entrepreneurs or business leaders make is they don't have a written vision. Mm -hmm. Like in our survey, less than 1% of the business owners that we surveyed had a written vision statement or script of any kind. Wow. So they may have had something rattling around in their head, but they didn't have anything on paper. And when you don't have it on paper, first of all, you're probably not clear because when it's, you know, in your brain, it's ambiguous. It's kind of, you know, just vague. It's not specific. It's not concrete. You probably don't have the clarity that you need. But you also have a difficult time communicating that vision. 
And certainly you're going to have a difficult time ensuring quality control so that the people who are under you or the people that are working with you can also continue to you know, express that vision to sure. their teammates as well. So not having a vision script is the single biggest mistake that people make. I couldn't find a single course in any college curriculum or university curriculum that taught on vision. I could only find a few books that were written about vision and actually two, as a matter of fact, and one of them kind of confused vision and mission and strategy, and they just didn't take time to define the terms. And I'm very clear on all those terms, and I define many of, of them in the book, but a vision is a very specific thing about the future. Yeah. Can we talk about vision and mission? Because I feel like that's where the cloud is like, what's the real difference here? Yeah. Yes. I, remember going, I remember going through MBA school coming out more confused about which each one was than, than going in. Yeah. So here's what I would say. Vision answers the question, where? Where are we going? And mission answers the question, what do we do and why do we do it? So vision is about the future. Mission is about now. I'm working on my vision every day in the hopes that as I do that, I'm going to come closer and closer to that vision for the future. Now, strategy is an interesting question too, because that answers the question, how? How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? How am I going to get from our current situation to this envisioned situation that's expressed in the vision script? And just to round it out, then we have core values. And values are really about who we are, and more importantly, who we're becoming on this journey toward this vision. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you got where, vision is where, mission is why, strategy is how, and then values are just kind of like, are the who. Okay. So, who 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 we're becoming. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I get that. And I think, you know, the whole concept of having it written down I mean, clearly it it makes it difficult to propagate something if it's not documented somewhere, just that in and of itself. And I didn't say before, but the vision script too, Rory, is divided into four parts because it's not just like you're thinking about the future as, you know, kind of this undifferentiated whole, but I have it broken down into four sections. So if you use the vision script kind of format, it's really about what's the future of your team. Team is everything, the culture you're building the people that you're recruiting, the people that you're retaining, how you're developing your team, because the team is the primary means by which you're going to bring this vision into existence. So team is number one. Product is number two. What is it that you produce and bring forth into the world? You know, maybe it's a product, maybe it's a service, maybe it's a combination of both, but the future of your product, then the future of your marketing and your sales. So how do you reach the market? How do you take your products or your service to market And then finally, the future of your impact, that could be expressed in terms of, you know, what is your revenue size three to five years from now? What's your profitability? What are your podcast downloads or your website visits or whatever metric you want to use that are important to your particular business? But that vision script is expressed in each of those four sections. Yeah. So you mentioned the podcast downloads. Can you apply this to me for personal brands specifically, right? So like, you know, I think everyone goes, oh, I'm a corporate leader. We should have a vision or even entrepreneurs like, but if you're a personal brand and, you know, it's like mostly built around you, do you still think you need to have one of these? Absolutely. I am a personal brand. And a big one. <laughs> and, well, and so, yeah, I started out as, as a solopreneur like a lot of people. And I tell a story in the book about starting a publishing company back in 1984. 
And we were enormously successful in that publishing company. We happened to publish Oral Hershiser, who was a pitcher for the Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers had just won the World Series. He was like the hottest commodity out there. And we were lucky enough to publish his book. It hit the New York Times list. It stayed there for about 28 weeks in a row. And it generated a ton of cash. But watch what happened. We didn't have a vision script. And when you don't have a vision, it's very difficult to differentiate between opportunities and distractions. Because the more successful you are, the more opportunities that you attract. And a lot of times, distractions will show up on your doorstep disguised as opportunities. So what happened to us is all these opportunities started coming to us. We started publishing children's books, gift books, reference books. We even did a big Bible project. And we simply fractured our focus. We spread our resources too thin. And we basically ran out of cash because we didn't have a vision. There was nothing by which we could say no. There was no filter for us to say no. That's what a vision helps you do. So if you're starting a company, or if you're in the middle of running a company that's operated without a vision for too long, or maybe your company's teetering on the edge of bankruptcy, it's never too late. I've got an entire chapter dedicated to this in the book about is it ever too late for a vision? No, but I think particularly for people that are starting a brand, what is it that you want three to five years from now, define the win before you start. What does winning look like? And that's what your vision script should be about. Yeah, I love that. I love that. One of the things that I think makes people a little resistant to creating a vision sometimes is they do feel like it's like this rigid thing. It's like, you know, hey, I can't see into the future. I don't know. And I feel weird about like committing to it. But in The Vision Driven Leader, in this new book, you talk about the zag, then you use different examples of like, you know, even big companies, Airbnb and Apple. Can you just like share a little bit about what is that concept of the zag and like, how does that apply to our vision? Yeah. So the idea is that it's never too late to re-envision a future. Hmm. And sometimes when your company is on the decline, especially or your brand in the case of the clients that you're working with, you know, if it may feel like it's plateaued or maybe it's on the decline, the difference maker could be re-envisioning the future. And my favorite example in that chapter is of a company that basically had built a gaming platform for gamers to talk to each other. And they thought it was an incredible product. They were super excited about it, but it didn't really work in the marketplace. And so they basically were teetering on the edge of bankruptcy and they said, what if we remarketed this to corporations as an alternative to email? And they did. And that product became Slack. Slack. Mm-hmm. My company runs on that. You know, they got a multi-billion dollar valuation. They've got millions of users worldwide. And the only thing that changed was their vision. So they moved from gamers to corporations and saw how they could serve them with the same platform. And it was an incredible resurrection of a company that was just, you know, on the, on the brink of despair. So it's just like, basically, if you have a vision and it hasn't been working out, it's like, it's okay to be flexible. I mean, if if you're following your process, you're updating it every, like, you're at least looking at it every year anyways. And so you're, it's okay to be flexible. It's okay to bend it to what the business needs. It is, but you got to be very careful about that Mm. because I believe that you've got to stay connected to your vision and hold tenaciously to it because every vision attracts the resistance. You know, Stephen Pressfield wrote about that in The War of Art. 
I've got a chapter on it called The Resistance inside of my book. But anytime you kind of visualize an improvement or try to do something in your life, like get in shape or lose weight or make your marriage better or improve your bottom line, almost immediately you face the resistance. You know, there's pushback there on the idea not. or the effort. And, and COVID, we've certainly seen that during, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, right? Totally. But here's what you should do. Before you give up on the vision, change your strategy. So mm. give an example. So we both live in Nashville, Tennessee. And every fall, I take my entire extended family on a caravan trip to Rosemary Beach, Florida, which is in the panhandle. So that's the vision, man. I mean, we love those turquoise waters, that white sand. I mean, it's an amazing place. In fact, one of my daughters is down there this week, and I am so jealous. But that's like the vision. We know where we're going. We can picture it. We know exactly what we're going to do when we get there. The strategy is we caravan in cars, and we drive south on I-65. We get through Birmingham, and then we go southeast on a few state roads until we get to the panhandle of Florida. Now, Sometimes the strategy, Gail and I did this one year, we decided we were going to fly from Nashville to Pensacola on Southwest Airlines, and that was awesome. That was a different strategy. Got us to the same destination. Last year when we went, there was a huge 18-wheeler that had turned over and caused this incredible traffic jam. So we had to change strategy. Here's what we didn't do. We didn't let go of the vision of that vacation. We just changed the strategy. You know, we had to take a detour, but we eventually got there. So sometimes you have to change the strategy in order to achieve the vision. In fact, I would say it's very normal that the first strategy you employ doesn't work. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the vision. It just means that you need to change the strategy because conditions on the ground have changed. I love that. It's like you're committed to where you're going. You're flexible on how you're going to get there. That's it. Just a little bit from the vision-driven leader, my friends. When Michael talks, I listen. This is someone who has walked the road, he's taught the road, and he's still on the road. And, you know, that fires me up. Michael, where do you want people to go if they want to learn about the Vision Driven Leader book? You also have this tool of the vision script. So you want to talk about that for a sec? Yeah. yeah. So if you go to the website, thevisiondrivenleader.com slash Rory. So go to slash Rory, visiondrivenleader.com slash Rory. If you go there, buy the book anywhere you want. Then go to that website with your receipt. You plug in your receipt number and you get $200 worth of free bonuses that go with the book that'll help you to apply it and implement it, including one of my favorite tools that we've ever developed called the Vision Scripter Tool. It will take you by the hand, walk you through the process of coming up with your first draft of your vision script. It'll get you about 80% of the way there, which is really all you want. So, you know, coming up with a vision script is not something you can delegate. It's not something you'd outsource. You've got to do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone. It's got to start with you, but it can't end with you. But the vision script or tool will get you about 80% of the way better. And I would suggest you don't get it more perfect than that because you want to take it back to your team, take it back to the people that are helping you build your brand and say, hey, I've been thinking about the future and I've got some thoughts. These probably aren't all right. There's probably some stuff that needs to be tweaked. There's probably some stuff that's missing but I want to share it with you so that you guys can help me fine tune this and we can get it, you know, with more clarity. So that's why you don't want it to have it hundred percent. You're not Moses coming down from the mountain, you know, with the 10 commandments, or you're just somebody that's been thinking about the future and you want to share it with some people that could get excited for you and can help you fine tune it. 
But that vision scripture tool will help you get it to the level you need before you share it with somebody else. I love it. I love it. Michael, thank you for this work. Thank you for thank your, you, your, your model and just your constant commitment to ethical business and practical principles and you know, just your personal character. You and Gail are so wonderful. You're some of our most treasured friends and relationships and just appreciate thank your you. time so much. Thank you. Give my love to AJ. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.